the greatest lesson that I learned was that great people experience great failure. That was the big lesson for me. Um, and that I wasn't alone and that failure is not something to be afraid of. Welcome to the Twins Talk It Up podcast, where my identical twin brother and I share our thoughts and provide solutions for executives and professionals who want to become masters of speaking and communicating so that they can maximize their influence and impact. Yes, we are identical twins who happen to also be public speakers, executive coaches, and sales leaders. Our company, DSP Leadership Group, focuses on equipping leaders who want to speak with confidence and authority, all while using their authentic voice. Here on the Twins Talk It Up podcast, we present topics about communication and leadership from our perspective as individuals and as twins. Welcome to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. The thought of taking a risk can bring up feelings of discomfort or even outright fear. Failure or failing somehow reinforces that desire to want to be comfortable, that sense of playing it safe and not take a risk. Have you ever responded to what felt like a catastrophic failure? Have you been able to reframe and learn from that failure? Or does that failure keep you paralyzed? Thomas Edison once said that our greatest weakness lies in giving up. The most certain way to succeed is to always try just one more time. So how can persistence and learning from failure be actual traits of success? What's greater, your desire to succeed or your fear of failure? This conversation that my twin and I are going to have with our next guest will hopefully bring you an opportunity to face yourself professionally and personally and challenge the way you think about failure. We're thrilled to have our good friend, Mark Botros joining the program and speaking about what it means to take a second look at failure and how that can help advance your career and your organization. Mark is a principal with Noblis, a Washington DC based think tank, and he serves as the host and the executive producer of the Life Works podcast where he interviews incredible leaders and they talk about lessons learned from both life and business. He's been a consultant to over 350 organizations, including CBS Broadcasting, GSK, UPenn, and of course, the federal government. He's the chairman of an economic development authority for the Commonwealth of Virginia, and he chairs a business curriculum board for the Virginia Community College System. Mark, how are you? And welcome to the program. Fantastic. It's great to be here. Thank you so much for having me uh, to you both. Thank you. It's, it's such an honor, always. From time to time, as Dave and I are speaking, we'll let our audience know who's actually asking the question, because at times it does sound like the same person is asking the same question, uh, similar question. Mark, so we recently spoke about a couple of thought processes in the past and a couple of platforms. You spoke about failure. Actually, you spoke about failure entitled The Three Dirty Secrets of Failure, where you listed above three key items that people need to think about. Failure is a frame, not the whole movie. I love that part. Number two, the road to success is paved with failure, of course, among other things. And then the last one you have is you may, be, you may not embrace failure, but the greats do. 
what led you to these three uh, specific points within the topic of failure? And were they somehow rooted in your own personal experience? How did you formulate these? And please shed some more insights to our audience. So when I originally came up with this talk a little while ago, I came up with the, the theme of the conference was failure. I, I discovered that there in my research that there were not just three dirty little secrets of failure, but more like 17 or 18. But that, of course, was not going to fly at a, a conference setting. So I said, I need to distill this down to the most salient three. And the thing that I learned, and, and yes, absolutely, it, they were all, all of the lessons came from my own personal life. It was a deeply personal uh, talk. Um, and it is available out on YouTube uh, if, if uh, your listeners and, and viewers want to see it. Um, but it was a keynote talk at, uh, at a conference and, and, and deeply personal. The, I think the, the greatest lesson that I learned was that great people experience great failure. That was the big lesson for me. Um, and that I wasn't alone and that failure is not something to be afraid of. Um, and that when I look at a failure, that I, I have a decision to make. I can either color my entire character with that failure, or I can say, I failed at that one thing that one time, right? And, and those that have greater confidence and greater self-awareness are those that are able to say, you know what? Okay, I screwed that up. I learned and I'm going to move on. As opposed to saying, I'm terrible, I'm a bad person, I am a failure. It's one thing to say, I failed. It's another th thing to say, I am a failure. Two very different statements. But a lot of times we tend to color our entire character around a particular failure when really it's, it's just part of the process. Mark, this is David. And I love how you said that this is just a part of the process. We're not to walk around with this sense of I'm a failure. No, failing is now going to be reframed, thought differently. And as you talk about with your three points, we're going to probably dive into that a little bit more, that when you frame it, it's just a portion of the whole movie. We we think about movies or we think about the whole picture and the story, and we get excited about the ending. We get excited about this hopeful beginning. But if you don't look at failure as an opportunity to grow from, a failure as an opportunity to look back and say, what have we achieved? What have we learned? What have we done differently? Then how will we know what to do going forward? How will we know how to avoid the challenges, the pitfalls? Failure could be a great thing. We look at the great John Wooden and all the championships he's won, but he spent the first like 16 years not winning championships. And people would say, well, you're a failure. No, he's the greatest coach ever. You know, right. these are things that we're talking about. So yeah. I think what the issue for a lot of our listeners are going to have, and, and especially for professionals that are driven like us, we just don't like the idea of failing. We, yeah. we think that failing somehow means that, that we're not good, we're not competent, we're not capable. And so it does produce for some shame. It does produce anxiety or depression. And it can, if you don't frame it differently, set the stage for only expecting failure. And so I'm glad we're having this talk. I'm glad we're diving into this because for me, I don't think we should be looking at failure as something to avoid. You know, when Dan and I talk about public speaking and why we 
focus on helping professionals overcome their fear of speaking, they will tell you that the very root of it is they're afraid of being judged. They're afraid of failing. They're afraid of being looked at as someone who's not credible or someone who doesn't know what they're talking about. And so the very first thing that I do, Mark, when I work with these professionals is I challenge their mindset. Because if I can get them to change the way they look at failure, the way they look at their speaking, then this can help set the, the stage for them to become incredibly confident and confident as speakers. So I'm glad we're having this talk, Mark. Well, and, and speaking, and I really applaud the work that you're doing, especially in the realm of leadership, A, because we need more good leaders and you're, you're specializing in that. And speaking is one of those things that is a microcosm of failure. It really is. It's just that. It, you look at speaking as, as an example that has everything in it, right? You know, and 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 it has the fear of failure in it because we do like all the, as you said, most eloquently, the judgment, you know, the criticism, the ev- just simple evaluation. You know, we people hesitate to put themselves out there. So, this is Danny. I want to say, as we move forward, and I love this topic. This is something that I wish we would have brought on the show a long time ago. A lot of people have been in this situation where they haven't been able to grow in life because they're fearful of failure. And as David said, they look at it as a bad word. They don't look at it as a whole movie. They look at it as one portion of the movie and that's their whole life. And you, you had mentioned the great three talking points. And I love the fact that the, you don't have to embrace failure, but the great people do, the greats do. Yeah. If a lot more people worked on their mindset that failure is an option to grow, there will be a lot more people that are happier in life. I know that sounds weird. I'm not telling people that you have to be successful to be happy in life. I'm saying don't let failure keep you from going after things that would allow you to fulfill your dreams. And I see that happen all the time. And before I get into my next question, Mark, you run across people all the time. You see people all the time. You talk to a lot of great people, but even your own life, you've seen this in yourself. Uh, how do you overcome that mindset uh, of every day telling yourself it's okay, I'm still awesome, I'm still great, but how do you overcome that mindset that wants to creep in every single day that tell you don't do it, Mark, self-preservation? Because humans throughout history have all about being self-preservation, yeah. always. You are telling yourself every day, I got to get out there and do it. So how, how are you getting that mindset real quick? We'll be right back after this short break. I am delighted to announce that App Meetup's customers can now benefit from the presentation and speaking training courses with our integration and partnership with DSB Leadership Group. DSB Leadership Group is committed to providing training and resources to support professionals becoming more effective communicators and increase their impact and value. And that is the reason why App Meetup and DSB Leadership Group have formed a partnership to make sure that our MSPs, which is you, can be effective and powerful speakers in the community. Whether you are hosting a major conference, a specialized training, or a year-end corporate event, finding the right keynote speaker or breakout speaker should be at the top of your priority list. Partner with Elite Speaker Services to book speakers according to your specifications and needs. Elite Speaker Services has the depth of speakers and the experience to bring you peace of mind and a successful event. 
Go to EliteSpeakerServices.com for all your event needs. Let us deliver the message your audience needs to hear. Let us deliver beyond your expectations. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. As a special thank you, we have an amazing offer for our listeners. 20% off products or services on our website. Just send us an email with the subject line podcast and we will send you that special discount code at dsbleadershipgroup.com. And now, let's get back to the episode. Welcome back to Twins Talk It Up podcast. Oh my gosh. I think that, and it's taken years. I can't say that this has been an overnight thing. I would say what I've cultivated is a lifestyle where I live in the uncomfortable. It's so my 16 year old daughter actually recently took an economics class and she was listening to a podcast and they said, they said to her, and she reminds me of this all the time, dad, everything that you want is waiting for you on the outside of your comfort zone. And so, so it just, it bolsters my, 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 you know, uh, my life, my crazy lifestyle in, in doing that, but it's, it's cultivating. Yeah. It's just, it's cultivating a, a sense of constantly pushing the boundaries of where I'm comfortable. And so what does that look like? All right. Well, I'll give you, I'll give you an example just from my morning routine right now, you know, just a a couple of hours ago. One. uh, So one thing I I do is I do pull-ups in the morning. That sounds kind of like, well, why would you do that? (laughs) Well, well, why not? You know, it's, I do it because it's hard, not necessarily because I'm trying to like, you know, compete in anything, but it's just, it's hard and it's outside of my comfort zone. The other thing I've, I've done, and again, this is just, just this morning, uh, I've actually incorporated cold showers into my morning routine, which is, which is like, I've been resisting it for years. I've heard people have done it and I've heard of like health benefits. And I said, oh no, I could, I could never do that. I actually said to myself, I could never do that. And then one day I said, you know what? I'm just going to turn the temperature down and see what happens. And then and you can imagine the ouch that happened because I love warm showers. I'm literally, I literally thank God every day for warm showers. And so I, I was like, oh my gosh, this is, it's such a shock to your system, but man, it wakes you up. And I've developed the habit of that. And, and I actually put it on my calendar. Do one thing today that is outside of your comfort zone. So it's really cultivating, cultivating a lifestyle of just doing something every single day where you're not comfortable. And it could also mean like you, you, get, you get a last minute call to do a project. Actually, this ha- happened to me last month. Um, I had they, a, a client called me um, you know, two weeks before their de- before their deadline, and they needed to deliver a, tr- a solution, a training, uh, and it needed to be developed in two weeks. It needed to be developed and delivered in two weeks before the end of the fiscal year. And under normal circumstances, normal people would say, "Oh no, you know what? Two weeks is just not enough time. You know, we'd have to do research on the subject matter and all of this other stuff." And I said, "I said I took it as an opportunity to." to exercise my comfort zone. And I said, well, could I do it in, in less than two weeks? And lo and behold, I, and I said, you know what? Yes, sign me up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. Everyone looked at me as though I was crazy. And I looked at me as though, as though I was crazy. But then I did it, delivered it. 
And it got all, and I think because of that, because it was crazy, it got all kinds of accolades and awards and recognition and all these other things. So sometimes those moments where you are outside of your comfort zone, um, that really, those are the, mo- I think those are the moments where legends are made. This is Danny. And I love that. I love the fact that you said every day I do pull-ups. I love the fact that you take cold showers. I did this thing uh, two years ago. I did this Wim Hof methodology of uh, breathing in cold uh, ice baths. Mm-hmm. My wife thought I was crazy at first. <laughs> and every day I just uh, dreaded taking a cold shower. But over time, I actually look forward to that pain. And it's not a bad pain. It was a pain that got my just got my endorphins going. I was really excited and I really felt energized to face the day. And I did it first thing in the morning, just first thing in the morning. And I love, I love these things, these examples, these ideas. I always actually love the fact that two weeks ago, outside of your comfort zone, you went and did it and you delivered. We as uh, people need to understand that leaders, CEOs of corporations, business leaders, unit division leaders, they all have to make decisions. And sometimes those decisions are made out of emotion. Sometimes they're made using data analytics. But whatever it may be, decisions are made that makes huge impacts. For those who never want to acknowledge failures, this is where a lot of leaders fail today. When they don't acknowledge their failure, their people see that. When leaders acknowledge failure, people embrace you. They look up to you. Absolutely. And, And that's one thing that's really missing in America today is people acknowledging the failure and then people saying, wow, you're vulnerable, you're real, you're not a robot. But what are some of the metrics or some of the ways for leaders and organizations to see their overcomings? What are some metrics they can see and say, look, we have a shortcoming. How can we learn from this? How can we overcome and succeed through these shortcomings? What are some of the ways, because for us, who are not running companies like Dave and I are running our own company, but for other people who are not running companies, they'll go to Yelp, they'll go to the BBB, they'll do Amazon Google reviews, and they'll be able to look at responses and they'll say, okay, this organization is horrible to work with. They got right. four stars. I mean, really four stars out of 10,000 reviews is really pretty good. That's but actually not bad, right? Yeah. You're looking at that and say, oh, I don't want to buy from this organization. But really at the end of the day, what are leaders, what can leaders do when they see these metrics? and they see that there may be a shortcoming or they may miss their mark, right? Their fiscal year mark, their quarter year mark for the stock rates. Yeah. But what are the what are ways they can take these negative thoughts, negative processes, negative reviews, and how can they see past that to make it into a success? I think you're onto something there in terms of the, the performance metrics, right? The, I don't, I think that the assessment part of that uh, question is, you don't have to go much further than your own emotions. Um, as as a benchmark for you know did I do well did I not do well you know if it and, and in the case of a sales target for example you know you know that's the expectation you know that that's the benchmark that you need to hit that's the target and and you know that when you don't you, when you don't meet that expectation you don't need to go any further than outside of your own head or your own heart to know like, okay, I, I need to do better. Right. Like you already, like, you know that I think, and I think that the, the gift of our emotions, we are in a very emotional era right now, but I think the gift of our emotions is that it does give us an indicator whether we're on the right path or not. It's not the only indicator, but it, it lets us know, yeah, this is an area of improvement. 
or this is an area uh, where I really, I really did well. Like uh, again, going back to that, that last minute project, I felt elated when it was done. Like it was so like, so, um, so our emotions are a good way of assessing um, how, how well we're doing. That's not foolproof because a lot of times we have blind spots, which then, which then means that we need to, we need that outside feedback. We need that Yelp review. We need that honest feedback from other people that, that know us, love us and care about us and have our best interest at heart. To be able to get honest feedback is such a gift. And it's something that we struggle with immensely today. One of the biggest topics that we get asked for from a, or that we see when we do needs assessment for training is honest feedback. You know, like being able to have critical and crucial conversations with people. It's really, really hard because we've, the last two generations or, or generation or and a half has grown up in a very protected kind of society. And there are a lot of ways that, that, that business and society and thinkers and gurus have tried to at, attack this problem of being able to be honest with each other. And, and we haven't really gotten that. You know, there are concepts of like psychological safety and diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives. I even just read an article just, uh, just a couple of days ago on the 100-0 ratio. And y- your viewers and listeners might be like, what the heck is that? So there, there was something in business, or kind of a, a benchmark for how much positive praise you give versus how much negative praise you give or neg- negative constructive feedback you give. And that, and that benchmark is about four to one, right? That was kind of the prevailing, um, prevailing thinking. But they did research and found that yeah, that doesn't really that doesn't really work. And so the hunt, the one hundred to zero ratio is to keep it all positive. And I thought, well, that's just that. I don't know how do you get better, right? I'm a I'm a big proponent for giving feedback in a way that people can hear it, like. Uh, somebody said about me actually one time they said mark you you do say what you need to say but you say it with some sugar and i and i said yeah that's 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 probably true <laughs> so so yeah you know a spoonful of sugar and you know with some good you know healthy constructive feedback is, is such a great gift mark this is david isn't that what mary poppins said just a spoonful absolutely <laughs> absolutely we do not that medicine is so hard we don't want to take that medicine we don't want the truth but it's we true. need it, right? So yeah. it, it brings something up, Mark. You talk about the importance of responding to failure. Mm-hmm. And those that respond with the right mindset, those that respond in the right way, tend to find success more quickly. It's an illustration I want to share from playing poker. Now, I'm not a poker player. I, I have seen it on TV. I've seen these guys who just seemingly have nerves of steel and they know when to go all in. They know when you're bluffing. They're looking for the twitches in your face. And, and, and so these things are all interesting. So I'm, I'm thinking about the game of poker. And, and I think the strategy that I've seen, and, and people out there that you play poker, you could come back and tell me on the show or send me messages about if I'm wrong or right. But I think the strategy is you've got to be prepared to lose some in the short run because you're playing for the long goal, which is winning. So I think if we embrace failure with this mindset that we might have to take some short-term losses, but that can end up becoming long-term gains. And I think this is what I think about the concept of failing. Fail quickly to win faster, to win longer. 
And right. so, Mark, you posed this question. I've heard you share this in, 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 in something you did recently. And I think when people follow your YouTube channel and they, and they hear you talk about failure, they're going to come across you making this question. And it made me freeze. And this is what you mm -hmm. said. You said, what is your relationship with fear? And I said, I, I froze for a moment because I thought, why would he say that? I don't want to have a relationship with fear, but we do. Right. We, we do have this awkward relationship with fear. And so it makes you think, wow, if I'm frozen in fear, then it's more comfortable for me to be in this state of what I know to be my fear zone than mm -hmm. to go outside of that and embrace something differently. And so I thought to myself, what does it mean to have a relationship with fear? So that was really, really eye-opening for me. So Mark, what, what are some of your strategies or what are some of your personal practical steps you provide professionals or even organizations when you're consulting them about how to overcome failure or at least the fear of failure? Wow, there's so much that could be said about this. I, I, would, I would pose a question back to you both and I would say, what would you suggest to someone to overcome procrastination? That's awesome, Mark. And a matter of fact, I was just talking to my wife about this because on another yeah. podcast episode where the leader brought on a researcher who studies, as a psychologist, mm -hmm. who studies the concept of procrastination. Yeah. And she said something in the same line you did, that it's a relationship and mm -hmm. it's emotional. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it she is. said that procrastination doesn't mean you're a bad person. You just value other things, let's say, more importantly than that item or that, let's say, task that you have to do. Right. And because it's a relationship, you put more energy into things that you want to do. And so I would say that the concept of procrastination and the concept of failure are very similar in that sense, because we tend to want to walk away, not because we, we don't believe it's there or not because we don't believe it can help us but because it, it's at that time hurt for it, it doesn't feel good. Right, right. And the thing that, that I think we have to accept is that we are, fear is a gift. Again, you know, like our emotions are a gift if we know how to use them. Fear basically is in us. It's hardwired, right? Because, you know, whatever, however, 200,000, 2 million years ago, you know, we, we had to keep ourselves alive you know, from the saber-toothed tiger, you know, so, so it's in us and we, we have to accept the fact that, okay, today in 2022, there aren't any saber-toothed tigers that are going to get you. Our fears, the things that we fear are, are, are judgment, evaluation, and what people think. And, and it's all, when you really stop and think about it, it's silly. It's really silly to, to have such a, such fears. Um, or we feel, or we fear that we're not going to be enough or that we're not going to meet expectations or whatever, what have you. So, so I think that's the thing that we need to accept is that fear is just, it's a part of us. People who say I'm fearless. Uh, no, you're deluded. It, 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 there's no such thing. You have fear in you and, and, um, and, and our, how we respond to that fear is everything, but there's so much, there's so much that we can do just in, in the way of strategy. And I would say one of the biggest things to remember is that experimentation is a safe way to fail. So for me, the, my podcast was an experiment in just, can I 
record my voice and can I hear it on iTunes? That to me was the coolest thing, you know? So, but then it developed over time just through continual, ex, through continual experimentation. Experimentation is a safe way to fail. You can say, well, I'm going to experiment with this thing. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. That's what an experiment is. An experiment is not designed in science. It's not really designed to prove you're right always. It's sometimes it's to, to prove that you're wrong or that the, the hypothesis is wrong. So experiment. You know, I think that's a very safe way to, to go about it. I think the other thing that we need to realize is that we are the ones who define failure and success. Like we define that. And, and if I compare myself you know, to other people, again, it's illogical because they're on a different path than I am. And, and so, so we, even comparison is, is not a, a logical thing to do. Um, but, but yeah, experimenting, knowing that we have the, the power to define what failure and success is and, um, and just really just doing, just getting started. That's why I opened up the response by saying, you know, we're asking how do we overcome procrastination? Cause there's a lot in that, that like there's a, there, as you said, beautifully, um, Dave, the, the, the correlation is, is eerily similar between fear of failure and fear of procrastination or, or rather procrastination. <laughs> This is Danny. I love that the fact that you brought up something that's close to me. And I grew up as an engineer, a scientist, uh, did a double major in undergraduate. And one of the things um, I was really fortunate about is Dave and I had a chance to work for uh, a subsidiary of, of NASA. And one of the things we did is the uh, study of terrestrial and extraterrestrial atmospheres. And we actually had to go and study the NOx emissions uh, high up in the atmosphere to see how it interacted with the ozone layer we would collect data and we would just analyze it over and over and over and over again. Uh, and that was one of the things I've learned is that I could tweak something a million times to get as close as possible to real life situations and what will actually be in put into production. So we think about what's done in the lab, and then we have to ask ourselves from a business perspective, what would this look like from a cost savings, revenue generating opportunity? And sometimes what's actually produced in the market is not what was 100% produced in the lab because it doesn't necessarily produce uh, what capitalism really likes, which is a, a huge amount of profitability at just the right threshold for, uh, for failure. And we also um, had a chance to do an internship project with Boeing helicopters. And we had to design the landing gear system for a tip rotor aircraft. And we had to look at different metallurgical properties and to determine which uh, metal was to be used, uh, which strength, uh, tensile strength and all that other stuff. And then we had to look at cost. So there's a lot that goes into right. what's done. And it's really phenomenal and exciting how you turn the mindset around that for those individuals that can push through that to look at failure and experimentation, it's a good thing. It's not necessarily mm -hmm. a bad thing. It's a good thing. And to be able to go into it knowing that multiple failures will keep others from experimenting the, the same way or experiencing the same thing, keeping others from having that failure, which can ultimately uh, cost a lot of people lives. So I think that it's phenomenal that we have that mindset. So let me tell our audience real quick, as we're having this conversation, I'm summing up everything that we're talking about to this, to this point. If you haven't heard it before, I'm hoping that people in the audience are listening to this Failure happens. It's, it's only a good thing if you learn quickly from it 
and grow. Absolutely. What would the world be? How much better would the world be if more people stopped trying to be risk adverse? Mm -hmm. If more people decided that I'm going to experiment little failures to have something big type of victory. This is what I really appreciate. We all love um, watching a specific movie and I'll bring it up or, or reading a specific book, but the author is JK Rowling. And when we think about JK Rowling, she went to multiple publishers and every publisher she went to rejected her idea. Every single publisher. There was a time where she was living in poverty. Living in poverty in Britain. She was living in poverty to the point where she said, I was so poor, I was one step away from homelessness. That is where she was at. And she said that there was this fear that she had and her parents had. We all have this if you have kids. You have this fear that your children, when they grow up, won't be successful and they may be shunned by society. She was actually living that. She was experiencing that, but yet she did not allow that to dictate her life. And now look at where she's at today. Look at the books, look at the movies that's been created. We think about Thomas Edison, who was asked multiple times, he was asked, hey, um, how were you successful? How did it work out? And he said, I failed 10,000 times. <laughs> I failed 10,000 times, but I found 10,000 ways it won't work. That was the way he changed his mindset. Mark, what is your favorite story of an entrepreneur or a business person that has overcome failure? What is your favorite success story you want to share with the audience? Because everyone knows these two, Thomas Edison, they know J.K. Rowling, but you've worked with 350 different businesses and corporations. What are, what are, what are your favorite stories? We'll be right back after this short break. We want to thank our sponsor for today's episode, Paul Jackowitz of pauljackowitz.com. For all your website design and management needs, visit Paul Jackowitz. That's Paul, J-A-C-K-I-E-W-I-C-Z.com. Are you projecting the right image to your market? Are you optimizing your name recognition and presence online? Elite Public Image is a leader in strategic communications and marketing solutions, ranging from public relations, brand communications, and content marketing strategy to social media and reputation management for businesses, professionals, and VIPs of all types. Whether you're looking to develop a particular brand or need a brand refresh, look no further than Elite Public Image. Visit ElitePublicImage.com and let Elite put their experience to work for you. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. As a special thank you, we have an amazing offer for our listeners for a free consultation over the next two weeks. Visit our website and schedule your free 30-minute consultation. And now, let's get back to the episode. Welcome back to Twins Talk It Up podcast. You know, I think that, and, and, and you can't talk about failure without talking about Thomas Edison or, or J.K. Rowling. I mean, they're they're 
fantastic. And of course, we could point to Michael Jordan, who who did a whole Nike commercial, you know, uh, around this, you know, I, I fail, you know, I failed, you know, so many times, but that is why I succeed. He said that. And I think that actually, and of course, Ray Kroc, you know, who is the founder of, uh, of the McDonald's franchise system, not McDonald's, but, but the franchise system, great, great movie called the founder. Um, the one, one of the ones that I really like, uh, and there was a, a movie made about it called The Pursuit of Happiness, Chris Gardner. As you're watching this movie, Chris Gardner, for those who don't know or haven't seen the movie, is uh, it's about a, a, a single dad who is raising his son. And you know, just after divorce, he you know, goes out on his own. He's trying you know, all these different money-making schemes and they're all failing. And he felt that the the he saw promise in the stock world, you know, stock brokering, stock brokerage world. And through, you know, taking an unpaid, he took an unpaid internship as an older adult with a son, you know, to, to learn, to learn the ropes. And he ended up, he ended up starting his own, his own uh, brokerage firm that had three locations, you know, all over the country. And he's, you know, just the the American dream, right? I I love that story because when you see where he came from to where he is, the story is just absolutely gut wrenching. I mean, he was living; he was quite literally homeless, sleeping in public, public you know restrooms with his son. And how do you do that with a child? It's the story is just incredible to me. I, that that is one that I look at and I think that's a great that's a great rags to riches type of story, you know, and somebody who, who experimented, who tried different things, who did things that were absolutely crazy and unfathomable, but, but working through that, powering through that and, and, and really just taking, you know, failure after failure as a step, as steps in the journey, he, he arose to, you know, to be, you know, one of the, one of the great American success stories of our day. Mark, this is David, and I love that, and it's true. We watched a movie. We see that there are people all around us. When you look at their life, when you look at the people in your organization, you realize that they've all had experience with challenges, failures, setbacks, and yet when you get to know how awesome of a story or how incredible that they are as people, you get this sense of resilience. You get this sense of persistence. You get this sense of never giving up. I mean, Henry Ford once stated that failure is simply the opportunity to begin again, but this time more intelligently. Michael Jordan, you mentioned Michael Jordan. What did he say? I've missed more than 9,000 shots in his career. Who took the stats on that in total? He said, I've lost almost 300 games and 26 times. He said, I was trusted to take the game when a shot missed. Now, in the same video or the same clip of him talking about that, we don't see how many times he took the shot and made it, but we know that when you look at his life, when you look at his career, he is considered by many to be the greatest of all time. Why? Because despite those failures, didn't even make his high school basketball team one year, right? He pushed through that and kept telling himself, I am going to be the best. I'm going to keep shooting. I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to keep going for it. Mm -hmm. And it revolutionized the sport of basketball and it brought in this new age of everybody need to have an Air Force One, right? Everybody need to have this th- these shoes. Everybody need to have the Michael or the Jordan brand, the Air Jordan brand. Right. 
it changed because he was willing to have a different mindset. And so there are people that are driven like that, Mark. You're driven like that in so many different ways. So I've got to ask you, Mark, besides your work and what you do as a consultant and working with professionals, working with organizations, going in and challenging and giving them solutions, what do you do to keep yourself motivated and inspired? I mean, you have a beautiful family. I'm sure there are things you've got to do with them, but are there mentors? Are there books? Are there podcasts? What are you doing besides the Wim Hof method to keep yourself going? Uh, all of the above, really. Um, I think the thing that that I derive the most inspiration from is the podcast that 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 I have the privilege of hosting. The the guests that I have become my friends and become my mentors. They write the books that I read, the, then and they model the behavior that I that I'm after, or they share the things that they are doing that's working for them, and. And I think that that really has a, a tremendous impact. I think for me, it's, uh, I may have mentioned it earlier, just really developing a lifestyle of, of, of living in the uncomfortable. When I do those uncomfortable things, it fills me with a confidence that, um, that's sometimes immeasurable, right? Just, just doing, like I said, getting on the pull-up bar or just, you know, taking that, <laughs> taking that cold shower or whatever. But, um, but I think cultivating a habit of just of being uncomfortable. And and really, you know, pushing the envelope of of the edge for myself, um, and that's a, that's a daily thing. So I would say that the, you know I, I'm a voracious reader, of course. I think anyone who who leads has to be. You got you got to you know. We won't accomplish anything until we become the person we need to become to accomplish that thing. So yeah, reading mentors, you know, through the podcast. Um, and yeah, all of the above. <laughs> this is Danny. I want to let our audience know that today is not the only day you get to listen to Mark and learn from him. We're going to actually provide his information at the very end. And yes, he is in the DMV area. So if you're actually out there in the East Coast, uh, you can look him, up, look him up and go meet with him personally. But one of the things I want to let our audience know, just really at the end of the day, the three key points that Mark has stated in previous speeches that he has spoken at, which he shared a little bit about today, which Mark and David both mentioned about Michael Jordan missing more than 9,000 shots in his career. Failure is a frame, not the whole movie. We watch movies, we think, oh, wow, that's two and a half hours of my time, amazing, but it, t- it could have taken months. It could have taken up to a year to shoot, to edit, to clean up. Mm-hmm. There could have been 20,000 times where the main actor said, I'm done of doing these retakes. I'm done. I said everything the right way, but yes, your body was not in the right position or the light wasn't right or the microphone was a busy. There could have been a lot of reasons, but failure is a frame, not the whole movie. That's point number one, Mark has mentioned. Point number two, the road to success is paved with failure. That was the second point that Mark had stated. Nobody has taken a chart and it was from day one, straight up, day two, multimillionaire. There's a lot of valleys, ups and downs. Sometimes you have to go backwards before you can go forward again. So if you have to actually look at a career of someone that's successful, there's a lot of ups and downs and backwards before they're going forward. As David stated, there were people uh, like Michael Jordan who didn't even make the basketball team in high school one year. There's now considered the greatest basketball player of all time. 
this individual, 6-0 in the, in the finals, right? This is the person that people say is the greatest. Uh, but nobody looks at this individual and think of that person as a failure. And then number three, I love this part right here, is, is this really the aspect that you may not embrace failure, but the greats do. The greats embrace failure. It's the mindset that they have is that they can learn from the little mistakes. They can be vulnerable about the little, little mistakes and they can become great. They can become awesome. And this is some of the training that Mark talks about. This is some of the training that he does with corporate leadership as well as with businesses. Failure is an opportunity to grow, opportunity to learn, and then an opportunity to expand. It's an opportunity to foster a healthy culture of learning, not a negative culture. Too many times society tells us failure is a bad thing, but it's, it can foster healthy, positive mindset, and it can actually expand your horizon, the way you look at things. I'm going to challenge you. Fail fast. Mark has said, think about these little tiny failures and experiment on them. That's the great thing about experimentation. It's okay to fail on those experimentations. The key is to learn fast and to create more value by taking greater risk. Mark also spoke about mentors, reading the books of people that he looks up to, reading those books, putting it into his life, applying them. I love the fact that even his own children can share and, mm -hmm. and be inspirational in his life as well. I think Mark was talking about that earlier today, which is fantastic. Now, I want to let the audience know, if you want to learn more about Mark, you can find out more about his work through his podcast as well. You, you have heard it before. He started the podcast. He just wanted to hear his voice. He had to experiment over time to where his podcast, I believe, is one of the great podcasts out there. And if you're not listening to it, you need to subscribe today. So visit Mark on his website as well. Mark A. Botros, B-O-T-R-O-S.com. Mark, we want to thank you for joining my identical twin brother, Dave, and I on the Twin Talk It Up podcast. We're grateful for you being on. We want you to come back again because we want to hear more of your stories about how you've helped more companies and more leaders turn failure into success and tell our audience, listen, you don't have to be a multi-million dollar business. You don't have to be a billion dollar business. You can be a success as well by turning your failures into something that can benefit not only yourself, not only yourself and your family, but yourself, your family, and the rest of society. So thank you, Mark, for joining us today on the Twins Talk It Up podcast. Thank you so much. It was such an honor to be with you both. And congratulations on the podcast and on uh, on your recent book, Talk It Up. So thank you so much for, uh, for the time together. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. Please subscribe and follow us on Instagram at DSP Leadership and visit us online at dspleadershipgroup.com to learn more about our workshops and trainings. We will see you on the next episode of the Twins Talk It Up podcast.